Hello and welcome to this episode of the Latter-day Saint Mission Cast. This is your host, Nick Galletti. We have a special guest on this episode, comedian, actor, performer, all-around great guy. It's Michael Berkland, sometimes known as Michael B. He appeared in such films as The Home Teachers, The Singles Ward Movies, Church Ball, and others. We're glad to have him on. He's an experienced return missionary himself. He's also had children go on missions, and he has some interesting insights on his own life as it relates to missionary work. We had a little fun in our conversation as well because we dipped a little into our version of general conference rumors that seem to be going around, and we also have a few of the missionaries behaving badly stories that, to be perfectly honest with you, while we don't often talk about them publicly, missionaries don't always behave perfectly. Sometimes there's some stories that make their way into uh, the public that uh, help show some of the realism of what it's like to serve a mission. And so we want to share some of those, and so we hope that you enjoy our conversation. Here is my interview now with comedian and actor, Michael B. So our guest on this episode of the Latter-day Saint Mission Cast is a comedian, actor, it's Michael B., Michael Berkland. Thanks for coming in. Oh yeah, thanks for having me. You have some uh, wonderful missionary stories that I heard, and I want to give a preface uh, to that with uh, all of our listeners should go and listen to his interview on the Latter-day Lives podcast uh, with Sean Rapier. It's incredible. tells his life story. And so we're not going to dip into some of those things because mm-hmm. I want you to go back and listen to that podcast. But uh, just as a matter of backdrop, again, you, you're from Tennessee. That's right. And uh, so you you are, would you consider your family converts to the church? You were telling me this interesting story about how your family kind of came back yeah. into the church. Yeah, kind of. They uh, So apparently my father's father's family and my mother's mother's family Came across the plains and then kind of dissipated from the church. Uh, and they're bo- my parents are both from San Francisco, Northern California. And uh, so it was really interesting when they when the missionaries tracked it into them. My dad knew a little bit about the church, not much. In fact, when it was came down to be baptized, my father pretty much was breaking every word of wisdom, everything you could <laughs> everything do you wrong. Do. So my mom was like really interested in the church at first, and she's like, "There's no way Dave is gonna be able to." And then my dad was all in. Yeah. And so my mom said, okay, if we do this, we do it together. He's like, I don't know much about the Mormon church, except I know they demand a lot of time from you. That's what he knew. Yeah. Interesting. Which, uh, yeah, which is weird coming from a family that was not, obviously his father wasn't active, but so went to go get baptized. And the church uh, came back and said, hey, you're already a member of the church to my dad. (laughs) So he called his mom. My grandma, and she's like, yeah, your dad took you into a Mormon church when you were 10 and baptized you. He's like, I vaguely remember that. Not really. Really? Yeah. How so, many, what was the age difference between? My mom and dad? Well, between oh, when he got baptized and. He was 20, he must, no, 30. He must have been around 30 years old because okay. they had a couple kids already at this point. And, uh, and then, which is even funnier that he felt compelled to baptize my dad, but not be active in church at all. Yeah, and my and they were actually my grandparents were sealed in the temple, married and sealed in the temple, and I think that's where it ended. It just now it down. Yeah, it's just really fun. I don't think they were active before. Kind of went through the motion of doing something, and then uh, it, that's strange. Yeah, to be honest, with you, I don't know if we actually know the whole story because all my grandparents passed away most yeah. of them when I was young, anyway. And before, I, actually, my grandfather. My dad's father would pass away before my mom and dad haven't gotten married. But anyway, so the uh, anyway, so they had um, they had the discussions, and 
my dad quit everything that day and has never looked back ever. So really? my mom was like totally shocked. Yeah, that's cool. Never though. drank, smoked anything. Yeah, it was crazy. Missionary work's always been like a big deal in our family. So it's uh, and I actually got called to Sacramento, Northern California, and I met a ton of my dad's extended family who who weren't um, in the church. I would take it. No, in fact, they've all they've all been way inactive. But they, my so they came across part of the Berklands, stayed and went to the gold rush. And they, it's cool. what do you call it? Is it founded a town? No, not founded. Um, settled? Settled. Right. So my family settled Mount Shasta in Reading. Really? Yeah, it's that's random. That's very cool. When they saw my name, people were like, ooh, Berkeley, wow, that's a big name up here. <laughs> uh, it, really? It is? I've really, it's the first you person ever me? said that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm huge in Provo right now, but no. Um, so I went up and I started meeting all these people, and they had, they all knew my dad when he was young. Oh, how's Davey? Davey. And uh, so, so I weird. tried to activate a bunch of them. It was so bizarre. In fact, it all started with a, a woman who lived across the hall from us in our apartment in Reading. And I come out and I was, I was saying hello to them. And she's like, hey, wait a minute. That's my last name. And it was uh, like, a, she'd be like a third cousin. Wow. And then she introduced me to her family and kind of got the whole story of how the ones went to the gold rush kind of quit. And then a f- couple of them came back to Utah and stayed. And the rest of them went back to Norway. That's and my weird. father's part was went, went back to Norway. But Wow. Yeah, so bizarre. So it's crazy. so weird. Never hear that. Um, and my mom's side, they were, I mean, they were pretty much anti, which is ironic because after my grandmother passed away, my grandfather talked to the missionaries, joined the church, went to the temple, and then passed away shortly after. And so weird. It's so, so weird. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, so you mentioned that you went on a mission and oh, yes. you went to Northern California. What was that? Like, I guess, growing up in your family, in your household, was it something that you looked forward to or was it something that you feared or how did that look no, to you? No, I, I couldn't wait. Yeah. In fact, I, to be honest with you, I, I, I really didn't have another plan. I knew some things I wanted to do overall, overall. I want to make movies. and I mean, that seems like dreams, but my whole life since I was a kid, I couldn't wait. I had four older brothers go before me and, you know, it went from like the sad mom and dad crying when the sun leaves to... When I left, and my dad's like, all right, high five, all right, see ya. A couple of years, but I wasn't near as emotional for them. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I couldn't and I couldn't wait to go, and my parents kind of always talked about it, but my brothers came home and talked about their missions a lot, so I kind of knew. I, I understood technically what you do. I don't understand all the, you know, your mission politics of, you know, leadership callings and that kind of thing, and, <laughs> and, yeah. and uh, I, you get to learn that all on your own. Or companions that didn't want to be there. Yeah. I did not know there was a missionary that didn't want to be on a mission. That was it, a foreign idea to you. Oh yeah, I, in my head I would think, why would you? Why would you, you do, do that? It? Yeah, how could you do that for? I did this for a girlfriend or my dad's business. I mean, I've heard every story, and I'm like, there isn't a girl or anyone I would do that for two years for. <laughs> yeah. No way. That's you went on a mission, sacrifice. didn't you? Yeah, yeah. That would be really. I don't know how you could do it and still not catch the vision of it. See, for me, the thing that was shocking to me was not that people were kind of wavering and why they were there. But why they were there and breaking all the rules. Now, obviously, times have changed, but we had a fair amount of missionaries. Like, I was in Louisiana, but we heard stories of them taking mission cars and going to spring break in Florida and stuff like that. So, to me, I was like, how is that happening? What are you even doing here if that's what you're here doing? It didn't make any sense to me. And things got cleaned up over time. And I don't think much of that is happening the same, not to the same degree. I anymore. hope not. I mean, I, I've heard some crazy stories here and there, but not not to the amount where there was a, a club you joined when I was out. Um, a club? A, a club. That <laughs> if you drove your mission car okay. to the Provo MTC, took pictures in front of the MTC with your companion and drove back to your mission. From Northern California? 
No, from anywhere in the United States. Oh, really? So it was like a thing, like you could be a part of this club or whatever, which is so stupid. Absolutely. Number one, I would never drive that far for kicks anyway, <laughs> ever, to go take a picture. Yeah. <laughs> I'd get on a plane and go to Europe or something. I mean, I'd go I was home. Gonna yeah, I'd go home. <laughs> and most of them are from Utah anyway. And that's not a slander in Utah. I find that there may have been a social curve people had to kind of deal with, so okay. they kind of go to go. It's a rite of passage. Almost. Yeah, it was sad. And it was even worse. I didn't get it until I moved here. They didn't understand the kind of the social side of it, because um, where I'm from, uh, if you didn't want to go, it just wanted you to stay active in church and be involved, whatever. They don't want you that to be this breaking point, right? So anyway, they, so I didn't, I didn't have that problem. We had missionaries would jump trains. This is so dumb. Really? I'm not even that old. It makes it sound like I'm in the <laughs> 40s or something. But um, and there's these two that jumped the train in Sacramento, and they were going to go to San Francisco. Well, they got on the wrong train. And uh, we get a call from the hospital because two of the missionaries got on the train and realized they're going to go to L.A. Oh. And it was a nonstop train. So they jumped off the train at 50 miles an hour. Oh. And, you know, cut up, broken, bruised, whatever. And uh, they're like, well, where are you? Well, we're kind of out of the mission boundaries. Um, my companion's in ER. And I was like, you got to be, you idiots. <laughs> at what point do you think jumping from a train was just, this is your only idea? But, yeah. So anyway, the uh, it serves them right. But anyway, I I loved. I couldn't wait to go. I yeah. loved every bit of it. Even the most difficult parts of the mission field were. It was it was so enjoyable. There was no one. You you weren't forced to do anything. I mean, you were accountable to numbers and things of of hours, whatever you spent. But I didn't have to get up at six thirty if I didn't want. Yeah. But I did. I didn't have to study all the time. But I did. Yeah. I just I really kind of ate it up and. Uh, I fell in love with talking to people, which I, I was I was kind of funny around friends and stuff when I was younger, but I was a pretty shy guy, and something happened in really? the D.C., and I just opened up and just never looked back. Cool. Yeah. So we, we digressed a moment there for Mormon missionaries behaving badly. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> for those that are listening, it does happen. Um, so you went on your mission, and I, I imagine, as, as most do, you kind of have to find your own voice in oh, missionary yeah. work. So you being kind of a comedian, actor type, feeling comfortable in front of people, I guess you came into that on the mission. Yeah. What uh, What did you find as your strength as a missionary? Um, I think the greatest strength that I think I had was uh, no fear, uh, whether it was questions asked or there wasn't a person that I was speaking to that I was afraid of. Okay. Um, in Northern California... Um, is the headquarters for the ex-Mormons for Jesus, by the way. Oh, good. So the people who made the God Makers, Temple of the God Makers, some of these other Book of Mormon Dilemma, et cetera. And uh, I got to serve in the ward where the whole, how the God Makers came about. So I kind of got the actual story of how it worked, and it was really interesting. Uh, so I dealt with a lot of anti-Mormon all day, every day in the mission. Oh, field. sure. Someone would come up on our bikes, or we'd knock, knock on someone's around. We watched this film. So one time I, <laughs> I got in, and uh, this family is super nice, and they said, listen, we watched this film. And I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. So they said, listen, if you're willing to watch it with us, then we'll we'll take the discussions. And I was like, let's do it. And even though we were told really not necessarily to do that, my mission president was a he was different kind of mission president. He was a progressive. PR exec. Yeah, he's very progressive. Uh, in fact, we got told not to buy more than one suit and to buy the rest of your suits on the mission field so you look like your local business, which is a little more hip, tapered okay. suit bottoms yeah. and wider shoulders. It was really kind of funny, which played because 
It was true. If, yeah. if you, I didn't know what Mr. Mac was, but if you had Mr. Mac suits, you'd have been way out in yeah. left field. But so anyway, he. Uh, so I said, "Yeah, let's watch it." And my companion was freaking. Out. I was like, "What are you afraid of, man?" Hmm. So we watched this movie, and the way it starts out, man, I was laughing so hard, out and, loud laughing. Yeah, out loud during and, the Godmakers. Oh yeah, because <laughs> the whole thing starts. You have this part where these kids are like dross and these ugly drapes, and they're in the front of the temple singing, I looked out the window and what did I do? I'm like, oh my god, like a minor key, yeah. creepy. It was so goofy. And then so the stuff they were like talking, these cartoon characters. I can't, I mean, I can't even quote this stuff because it's so ridiculous, but, uh, and the voices were funny. So as we're going through, my companion's freaking out and I'm just kind of laughing. And, and so the lady stops. She's like, well, why you keep laughing? I said, listen, do, do I look like a normal person? I'm mean, only 19 years old, but I look normal. And I, yeah, you know, do I seem to have a good personality? Sure. Do I, do I look like a person who's walking around like crazy? No, I was like, <laughs> I mowed a gabillion lawns just so I could afford to come here and talk to you. Yeah. And every other person I talked to, I said, I can't answer questions because part of the question is okay, but the other part, you're asking a question about something that's fabricated. It's not it's not actually what goes on can't in the temple. Prove a so, native. Yeah. yeah. So you're me saying that I can't answer is only because you're asking a question about something that doesn't exist. Um and so we end up having this great discussion, whatever. Uh, we kind of stopped watching the movie, thank goodness, because it was is so ridiculous. It's not even not even offensive. It's just it's so off. Where you kind of get the sense of okay, now I understand why people say these really funny comments about Mormons now because they see this. Yeah, yeah. And then when the new newer ceremony was developed, they did Temple of God Makers. They did the updated version. So you know they have someone has gone through and kind of watched. And but there's a few times. I mean, I would I, I would on purpose. I'm like, listen, we're converts to church, so these horns you have to have them put in, man. And uh, <laughs> and they're like eyes wide. I would say, come touch them and. And then, rah, and you know, scare him a little bit. And I was like, "Are you serious? Like, I I didn't know. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah, think I, I thought you, at what point we're going to end this joke, but you kept going with it. So, I think my personality kind of came in where if a person had like a crazy story or a thought about the church, well, there's nothing wrong with that. You you should. I mean, really, any organized religion should be questionable. Uh, if you've ever read the Bible, which I've read the Old New Testament many, many, many times, along with the Book of Mormon and all sorts of apocryphal. So I'm a little more of the educated side, just on my own. But uh, there's there's nothing about the Old Testament that's not weird. Even the New Testament, but the my favorite story— Culturally, it's a totally different Culturally, world. it's not even—in fact, I'm trying to think, why did no one else write? Or they only, <laughs> why were they the only people writing? No one else was like writing down history. What else was going on during Noah's time that they're not writing about, or yeah. Daniel's time? and I mean, I know pharaohs and kings wrote, but we don't have all that stuff. And so I, I love these stories. Daniel goes into a den of lions who the lions don't eat him, and an angel comes in and gives him food. And that's just that's a pimp story. That's really cool, <laughs> and it's so weird. And people have a hard time with local church stuff. You gotta be joking me. Read the Bible again. Yeah. You must have missed that on every story. Yeah. Um. So I like it because it pushes the boundary of what a man believes. And what is attainable with God? Okay, um, and that's where you know personal revelation comes in. And you know what what talent skill do I have that's different from everyone else's? And because so many of us are the same in a lot of ways, but I don't know. My personality, I think, really kind of came out there. And I think the no fear factor was a big one. Yeah, I fa- I kind of learned a sense of humor with it too because some of the you just can't help but to laugh. Like, and I think people are afraid missionaries were afraid to laugh, but it was so preposterous. 
I was. You're afraid to laugh? Oh yeah. Like oh. when people brought up some of this anti stuff, because I was like, no, I gotta, I gotta give them an answer instead of, <laughs> instead of, my gosh, that does it, doesn't that even just sound like something no human would do? Yeah. No, I, 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 no, I needed to answer it. I was on the opposing side. I was side. on a different side. Yeah, it was. I, I needed to save the world, man. <laughs> I, you know, I felt, I felt driven to go talk to people because I, my parents after hearing how they joined the church, I thought, okay, the lowest form of finding uh, as in percentages is tracting tracting easy um and yet my parents joined and have six children that went on a mission um and we have tons of grandkids that have gone i've had kids that have gone so it's it's really weird to me the the tracting even though it was boring i would do it anyway no matter what i always make time to go tracting yeah no matter what okay um because talking to members sometimes that fear factor of talking to neighbors i was lucky to have my parents uh, have people come into our home I had a couple of friends of ours join the church while I was growing up. So sharing the gospel is never a fear thing for us. That's cool. Um, so I was really lucky to have that. Yeah. Well, let's switch gears a little bit because yeah. you you served a mission and there a lot of things happened in your life uh, that, again, want people to go back and listen to the interview on Latter-day Lives. But there's a, a point where you have kids that are going to be going on missions. Yes. And so how how did your experience as a missionary inform how you were as a parent? a prospective missionary? Um, it, you know what? I, I think I got one of the greatest compliments from my son when he was giving his uh, farewell talk. And uh, during his talk, he said, people asked me, why did I decide to go on a mission? He went about a year later than, than normal. And, uh, and he said, I have listened to my dad tell mission stories my entire life. <laughs> he goes, I, I, I can tell you, there's very few conversations where a mission story didn't come up. I don't even think about it. I, I didn't. I didn't realize I was saying it that much. And my daughter that went on a mission as well. She said that I talked about my mission a lot because hmm. it's such a you know it's a big deal. It's such a huge sure a two year part of your life. Fully no one's going to talk about the first two years of college because no one cares. There's nothing to talk about. Then I take a mandatory golf class. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great story, Dad. <laughs> um, so it's a uh, it's such a big part of a person's life. So I guess I talked about it a lot. So I it, there was some excitement from that. Um, and when I had, and unfortunately I had nothing doctrinal, I had left the church because my lifestyle had been just hellish. And when I came back, I thought in my head, because when you make mistakes, you don't realize the long-term effect it could have. And my children, that the two that have, one's a return missionary and the other one's still out in Nebraska now, but watching, they talked to me about watching how the atonement took effect in my life and how this change came in my life. So where I prayed and fasted that my children would not go off the rails, and they did quite the opposite, which is great, because after a divorce, sometimes kids can really kind of veer off and uh, take one side of life and hate the other, yeah. and so I was really fortunate that my children didn't do that, and they're, and they're lucky. They have a really good—my ex-wife is an, an incredible mother, and uh, there was no fear of how they're being raised, and I mean, everyone has exchange issues. That's whatever. Sure. But but with the children, there was they were in a safe environment. I was brought up being close to Heavenly Father, so I was really fortunate that way because that's not always the case with no, some people's divorces. Rarely, actually. So, uh, and they were really close to their mom too. So, and even my youngers, they uh, I have seven kids. Nick, why not? <laughs> Good for you. I, I win. No one's competing, <laughs> but I win. And uh, so I have a, a one's almost twelve, and he can't wait to go. And that's awesome. And then I have a twenty-two-year-old uh, autistic daughter who is. Uh, doing her paperwork to go on a service mission up at Salt Lake, up at the Temple Square, and nice. Then I have three young ones, and hopefully we'll keep them uh, going strong. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I it, I think I do because I talk about it a lot. That must be it. But I talk about doctrinal topics 
all the time. At uh, home? And yeah, just, oh, yeah. I, it will come up in any conversation. I want to talk about Jesus. Um, not not the, for a conversion type thing, but I learned something with my parents that anytime someone in, this is funny, everybody in our neighborhood called my dad president. So <laughs> my dad was in the state presidency, members would come over and call him President Berkland. Sure. Well, non-members in our neighbor are like, oh, man, he must be the president of something bigger. And they don't know anything. <laughs> and so they, his nickname was president. Everybody just called him president. Even non-members. That, yeah, all the non-members called uh, him president. So anytime there was ever any doctrinal issue, even another faith or just a faith-related topic, uh, everyone went to my mom and dad. And I realized wow. people don't have a place they can go and feel comfortable and I think that's the reason why missionaries are so great because they can share something. Even if they're young, yeah. they can share something that they can't sometimes even share with their spouse or a friend. And I've seen that where when I was coming back, I'd make a comment to a friend or two and they're going, oh, come on, Michael. And they're almost afraid to talk about it. And I've never been afraid to talk about it. Yeah. So I think that was another thing that helped is I just no they fear. see me do Yeah, no, none at all. Even now. If you, <laughs> I can tell. Mm-hmm. So if you, I mean, do you ever have those moments of, I wish I could go back and do my mission over again? And if so, what would I do different? <laughs> <laughs> Nick, I'm going to say something here. Uh, <laughs> but every elder probably has said at least once, if I could go back, there's that one companion I'd punch in the neck. But um, <laughs> there's always that one companion you could not get to do anything or yeah. you, you thought, why are you here? It's so much better for you to go home. But then, you know, but since I've come home, I've realized, man, you take, in our time, a 19-year-old boy, a young, not even a man, or not even legally considered an adult over 21, and you put them out and on a bicycle in the middle of nowhere, and sometimes walking for two years. I, I'm, I'm going to take my hat off to anybody that goes. It's unbelievable. I, I'm, it's a miracle I, they haven't sunk the church yet, right? Yeah. The, yeah, in fact, in fact sometimes I wonder, like, are we going to be the downfall? And no, I'm kidding. The, I think there's a sweetness, and that's the reason why it works. And I think that's probably why sister missionaries are going a lot of foreign missions more than elders, I've noticed now. Because I think the elders have done all they can do. And then a woman's perspective, maybe it's that time where a woman's perspective kind of alters. Because, I mean, you take about the immigration of members of the church from uh, Nauvoo to Utah. They're all converts from Europe. Majority yeah. of the people that came into Utah were not American born. Right. I think like 70%. So a huge amount. Um, you know, and many of those people, Heber C. Kimball and a couple of the old, you know, they were baptizing congregations at a, at a time. Yeah. And they leave and come across in a boat and then come across the plains. I mean, it's, that's phenomenal. So maybe there is a, a shift and maybe the, the women are having a, a, a better, stronger outreach, I think, in the foreign areas. And I've just noticed a lot of elders are going in state and, which is good. I mean, my entire stake, I was the only one that stayed in the States of all the really? others. Yeah. Huh. I was like, cool, you get to go to Fiji and Africa and Italy. I'm going to hit the border. <laughs> yeah. like, I got uh, close, uh, near. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going where rice a was Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got a fun uh, general conference coming up. And uh, this the weekend after this is uh, going live. And uh, I don't know, maybe there's something about this general conference that that draws off the last one, but there's so many rumors flying of what's going to change, right? Oh my gosh, I've all heard sorts everything. of stuff. So yeah. I wanted to throw out a couple that there was an article posted on MormonLight.org, and uh, there's a couple missionary ones related, and I wanted to get your take okay. on a couple of these things. So <laughs> the first one was that there would be a missionary program refocused that service missions maybe become equal or preferred options as to proselyting ones. Any thoughts on that? Interesting. Um, 
Gosh, you know what? I would say for some kids, uh, I mean, Nick, uh, how old are you now? 40. 40. So we're, we're of the generation where like, oh, I'm scared. Like, well, toughen up, kid. I mean, <laughs> yeah. uh, he just figured it out. But, we're, you know, now, I, I remember this talk from uh, uh, President Benson about labeling. And I always saw that as a labeling as in like a derogatory, but we now label kids with uh, social disorders and whatever. Anxieties. Yeah, yeah, anxieties. And I think some of it, we didn't have the same, we had the same problem. We had anxiety, but we dealt with anxiety different. But where we don't do that anymore socially, um, there are, I had a companion, one-eyed white. Uh, in fact, we still keep in touch. He's, a, he's one of my closest friends. And that guy would do so much service for a person. He had a hard time tracting, didn't like waking up on time. He did not necessarily like, well, he didn't like tracting at all, nothing like that. But he would go and do yard work for seven days and redo someone's entire. We wow. went out on Saturday and waxed everyone's car in our complex. Wow. And he would wash, we'd go at like 4.30 in the morning, we'd wash everyone's car and then wax them all. And he loved that service side of it. And I think he made such a strong impression on me and so many people to where he did so many kind-hearted things. And I think some of these service missions where I think some people think a service mission is only just Temple Square. You go right. help a person walk through. But my friend's parents are called to go beautify Adam on Diamond. I don't even know what that means, but they had to go plant flowers and trees <laughs> yeah, for three years. Three years? Yeah, they went on a three-year mission to go wow. beautify an area. And if you've ever been to Adam on Ammon, it needs some beautifying. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, that whole area, you're like, wow, he's going to come here? Well, maybe we should get a lawnmower out or something. <laughs> anyway, um, so I, I I think it's a good thing because I think it would take a lot of that pressure off of some of the children. And yeah. the rest of them, you know, that they don't mind going out and doing the normal mission. That's great, but... I think they'll get more people, if that is a true statement. I think they'll get more kids wanting to go on a mission because you take that social out of it. And then they learn something, and they mature from that because they're on yeah. their own, they're away from their family, and they get to see how other people interact. Because no matter what, you can interact with other elders and sisters. Yeah. So Well, and proselyting will happen. Right? Oh, As happen, you do service, yeah. it'll happen. Of course. So maybe it's maybe just a shift in how much service happens on a mission. We'll see. Anyway, yeah. uh, the other one was uh, a new approach to missionary identities, meaning casual clothes, using first names, and apparently some people think this has actually been piloted out there. I don't know about that. No. Nope. It, I don't think they should. Too you, much invested you, uh, in yeah, the name that tag. One, I mean, you're, how many times were you told, Nick, that we had a calling that only a group of men had, yeah. and we're called elder, which you call the apostles and the general yeah. authority is elder, and that's it. And, and that's us. it. Um, it's a very I, elevated title in the church. Yeah, and, and I think it's... I think it makes a person think differently. To this day, I, I when I had white, it takes me a minute to remember his name's Aaron. And they, when there's six elder whites, and we call him, he had a glass eyeball, that's what we called him when I had white. But anyway, so um, there's the title itself, and I can see in some areas why you'd wear jeans okay, or something, that kind of thing. Uh, Maybe regionalize the clothes yeah. a little bit more. But the shirts and ties, it's man, stay. You, you stick out like a sore thumb when you're wearing a white shirt and a tie. In the middle of a, especially in the middle of a suburbia. Yeah. But, you know, I want, it's so funny listening to the rumors of like what they think is going to yeah. happen. You know, you never know, but I don't think they would do that. Uh, is it, you know, and then go by your first name. Yeah. Why well, talk to, that's what a member should be doing. Yeah. There's and isn't that our specific, calling? Yeah. Yeah. So here's the next one. Options for missionaries to decide the length of their mission with the, that they would like to serve. <laughs> Maybe the church can most, you want to do 6, 12, 18, 24, maybe that, because I think most elders would probably do more than 24. You think? I would have. Really? Oh, yeah. See, I I was good with two, two years. That was fine I extended a month, and at the end, I remember my mission president took me aside, and he said, listen, you have 
two months left or three months left if you extend. And he said, uh, maybe you'd like to come in the office with me and come speak because hmm. you're really good at motivating. But what would you want to do? And I said, you asked like it's an option. And he's like, you can do whatever you'd like to do. Really? And I said, then I would like to train on a bike and be left alone. Because I, I got I was a district leader in Zoolander so fast, I never felt like I I always felt like I was responsible to something um, instead of the work. Instead of the work, yeah. And it, and the, where some missionaries they see that as a I wish I had that. No, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> the amount of times at two in the morning I'm talking to an elder or sister about some issue that they have nowhere else to go except me. Like I'd love to have slept all night. It'd been great just to get my full five in. <laughs> I was getting a full three at that point, yeah. but um, but I just I really didn't want to deal with uh, listening to people talk about their numbers all night long, and so he's like, "All right, well then you can do it." And mm-hmm. then he, and that last companion of mine, we, to this day, we're still great close friends. friends. In fact, That's he cool. he and his family own CTR Clothing. Oh, okay, yeah, kind of kind of funny, but the uh, it was the greatest way to to end something. But yeah. to give six, twelve, eight, you would never be able to choose your own because it wouldn't make any sense. I mean, you could just go home whenever. Well, I think it's something they want you to pick before you leave. Or that, I certainly hope implies. so. Because I remember when the 18-month missions were out, and I had two brothers that were out, my two oldest brothers. One went to Mexico, and then was in Hawaii. And he, I remember he told me once, uh, he said, had they not changed the rule right when I was going home, pretty much the month, he goes, at three months previous, I'd have probably stay for the two years, but where I was like, I'm going home in two weeks. Yeah, I'm going to go home in two weeks because yeah. I answered my 18-month mission. Um, and he was in Hawaii, so there's no reason to want to leave in Hawaii. Right. But, but it's psychologically, you know, when you're, yeah. it's done or whatever. So I don't see that one happening. Oh, man, I can't. You'd stay longer than two years, though. That's interesting. I would. But Nick, you were English speaking. Yeah. So was I. That's Southern. It takes a year, even with English, to where you're like, okay, I'm comfortable with discussions. I'm comfortable with people. Speaking missionary. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I can't. If you're foreign, there's no way you can choose. Uh, five months, Japan. Yeah, I think I'd get it at that point. Like, there's no way. You, yeah. I guess if you're if you're at that point, you would not be going to a foreign language speaking mission unless you spoke that language. Right. right. Well, and here's here's the other little note that they put in this, and maybe this is connected to that idea. But there's some people claiming that certain prospective missionaries have been getting mi- missionary calls that state they'll find out in general conference where they're going to serve. That is not true. Now, that I- is the biggest farce. <laughs> I have heard this one as well. That is not true. They're going to find out. It's t- so old school. Man, that would... All right, you two in that front row, you're going to go to... Mm, no, no. And th- that's like people going, I was told in, in uh, my paycheck blessing where I was going to go, Okay, that's great. I've heard that story a million times, and yet I've met no one on the earth that had that happen. I haven't met anyone. I've heard the story. Oh, yeah? I'm not saying it's not true, but I have not met one human <laughs> that has gotten their call in their mission, uh, their from, mission call from the Patriarch of Blessing, and they went to where it said. I've just heard of it. I've never actually seen it. Yeah, I've never seen it I either. did the research. <laughs> and I've done online, and, I, yeah, and I've never actually <laughs> met anyone. So whether that's even true or not, ah, debatable. All right. You know? yeah. But that's that's me, obviously. I mean, it's, what do you think? I, could they give assignments in general conference? Maybe to couples. I, find, I would find that to be incredibly impractical. With yeah. the number of people that are serving missions right now, that is... I mean, it's already getting impractical to list all the seventh quorum of the 70 kind of people that... <laughs> You know what I mean? Like that's taking a lot of time. So the idea that yeah. something like that would be done through general conference, the only thing I could see maybe would be if they're changing it, changing the length of time. 
Yeah, if there was a, like when they changed it to 18. The 18. That, which, the only which thing, ironically, is not even a commandment. That was just an option. Yeah, yeah. It's And p- people treat it that way. That's another yeah. thing, too. The The other thing that I think is just worthy of discussion is how many people are talking about how long church should be. That seems oh to be the gosh. big, whether it should go to two-hour church. That, that has been by far and above for me the one that everybody keeps talking about more than anything else. I'll tell you this. If it did go to two hours, yeah, there's going to be some mandatory church at home. Take there that, already take, is. Take That's that, the new that last hour, and yeah, yeah, we're supposed to do that anyway. But it would be a very structured hour. That's for sure. Yeah. But I know that there's some some people that have gone through some two hour. But I, you know, when I was younger. We had you had church in the morning, and then you had sacramenting at night. And then at one point we had sacramenting was ninety minutes. And then there was a sacrament that had an extra 15 minutes where you had to learn hymns because people didn't know the hymns weren't singing enough. So right. I've seen a lot of different structure changes, but President Holland came to our stake a few weeks ago. They called a special stake conference. And, uh, and obviously more than our stake showed up at that. We couldn't even, we, we couldn't even get into the building. It was, it was wow. a sold-out show, so to speak. Anyway, <laughs> but, and he was really funny for like 20 minutes. It was really just off the cuff. Just, I was, it was really nice. Talked about why or if a person should serve a mission. He told his story, which I never knew. I don't know it. that one. Fascinating oh. story. Okay, so yeah. Elder Holland grew up in an inactive home, and uh, he had a scholarship to two different sports, and he felt like he should go on a mission, even though, and he said it was the turning point. It was the greatest, and he knew that an education scholarship, sports scholarship, because his family didn't come from a lot of money, that was the only way he's going to be able to pay for school. And they, and they kind of hinted that, you know, scholarship's not going to be here when you get home. Yeah. But he still got it when he came home. Wow. But he said that was a turning point, and he said, no, no, anyone in my earshot, don't hesitate to go. Go no matter what. Go fix your life if you have to, but go. It's the greatest experience. But he, after, after he kind of went through all this, he said, uh, he goes, let me tell you, it's crazy. President Nelson, we can have a meeting, and he is, I don't know where he gets his energy. He skips every other stair going up there, and we're grabbing on the rails, walking up every stair. Yeah. But he's jumping every other stair. And uh, he said, "If I'm just telling you, if you thought last conference was exciting, hold on to your seats because it's that was nothing compared That's what to what's going to happen." Been saying. Yeah, which would be interesting. I mean, ministering alone was a, a unique one, which yeah. I thought was really cool. But and I think it coming down to the point to where your personal responsibility. You have to be accountable to yourself. Yeah. I mean, that's as old school and as good as you can get, which it, it has to be because I was talking to my brother last night, uh, and he's like, listen, he goes, I fall into that Law Moses category. Just give me a list. I'll get it done. Yeah. When I get the list done, I'm, I'm good, right? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the spirit of law, the personal revelation, which they talk about a lot, you know, do you feel driven to do something? Like, why do I go talk to people about the church all the time? Why do I pray? Every time I pray, I pray to have a, a missionary experience. Every day of my life. Uh, coming back, I feel like I've been given this gift. And then I'm telling you, if you ask for it, he puts it out there for you in your face every single day. It's amazing. I've had awesome. so many crazy, awesome experiences on the plane, on a train, in a taxi, an Uber, whatever, a gas station. And it just happens. Yeah. Um, so I like that because, it, it, you know, the church doesn't make me do that. And yet the church asks us all to be member right. missionaries. Yeah. I don't know. Did yeah. you hear the temple one? Well, there's going to be a ton of temples announced. Well, ton of temples, stake centers are going to be turned into temples. And, uh, but yeah. I will tell you, this is kind of funny about the stake center too, but, and that temple centers are going to be cut in half. And I was like, I don't, I, listen, I went to the old, old one. I don't know how you could cut it down any lower. Yeah. But those are more rumors that are going on. But President Holland did say that they're going to stop building buildings with uh, gymnasiums. He said, the building is not a place just to go have extracurricular activities we need to focus on we go to church have the sacrament do our thing and go home and become whatever does an actor in the movie church ball does that make you hurt <laughs> on some level to, 
<laughs> see that part of the culture go away. <laughs> yeah, I, in fact, even because they were competitive back in the old days, oh my gosh, I, I think to myself, that was probably not the greatest idea. But it, socially, how do you do it? Like now, to be honest, in my feeling, if you don't get a person to personally take it on, uh, it that's how that's how it, it fails anyway, because yeah. the religion's as only as strong as its members. The gospel has nothing to do with religion. Well, yeah, or basketball <laughs> for that. But yeah, I mean, you, you know, your practices, I mean, why do you have an organized religion? You know, there are millions of reasons, but if you let everybody just go off the whim of whatever they want, you're going to get every story under the sun. So there's some parameters you stick with, but let's break it down, Nick. Yeah. Love God, love your neighbor. When you when you join our church, um, it's a life of service. Your your time yeah. is to give I'm the priesthood. You gain the priesthood and it's to bless someone else's life. I can't bless myself with the priesthood. Right. Neither can you. You know, we could with each other, that kind of thing. Um, but everything is about giving over. A marriage and having totally children. You, oh, my yeah. gosh. And, but that's where you find yourself when you when you lose yourself in it, you know? Yeah. So it, as maybe there needs to be this, like, you know what? We're going to take away a lot of the rules and stuff. Please just go be a neighbor because it makes me laugh almost like, yeah, you know what? Don't even give a really bad lesson in a prayer. Why don't you just go over and say, hey, <laughs> high five somebody for the first time in 20 years you've lived next door to them or whatever, and really just narrow it down to becoming someone's friend. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, that's really why a person joins an organization is because of friendship. Yeah. But why they join for the Lord's companionship is because of the Holy Ghost. So, I mean, you, you you know whether you like it or not, it says visitors welcome. Start making visitors and non-members and members especially welcome. Yeah. They've got to. And and I think there's going back to this basic of being a kind neighbor. Golly. What, remember the quote from Joseph Smith? He said, I, people say that I would give my life for a Mormon, but I would give my life for a Protestant, a Baptist, a Methodist. I'd give my life for anyone. Yeah. Uh, which is true. And he did. He did. Same thing Jesus did. He gave his life for everyone, but. I don't know. I but I but I love when the rumors start blowing out, man. Oh, crazy. It's man. always something the temple's gonna be in half. They're gonna turn stake centers into temples. I'm like, oh my gosh. But they're announcing 150 temples. 150? 150, temples? apparently. That's what I read. Well, where? It was well, someone here's the other problem. It says a quote from the church newsroom, but then when you're reading it on a social network, you're like, I, did they fabricate the surrounding of this article and yeah, put maybe. the Mormon newsroom? But someone said they're gonna they were releasing 150 temples. And I just heard that one just the other day. Yeah, I I that's pretty ambitious. That's a lot. Although temples now are, when I understand, are private donation now. A lot well, of me- a lot of members are, that have a lot of money are personally donating enough for a temple, so it's be. not coming out of tithing. And well, which is weird. Their maintenance will s- still be out of the oh tithing. Gosh, but the I know that there's sure. been like rumors that they've doubled the size of the temple department and things like that. And I don't want to say that the I mean, obviously temple work does need to expand. I get that. Um, 150. That's that's a lot. That's we only have ambitious. 100. And, just a little over 150, yeah, I think. Right now, 156 so, or something. Doubling yeah. it? I don't know. That's that's pretty ambitious. Listen, when they announced India, I I cried a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. Pretty that amazing. one really softened me up. Oh yeah. I was blown away. Because that's like a big that temple alone, for those that don't really get it, you every religion on the earth separates at Abraham. And Abraham had two sons, Isaac and Ishmael. And Ishmael goes one way and has twelve sons. And uh and Isaac goes away and uh and it's Ishmael's the father of the Middle East, India specifically. So to have a temple in a place where this massive, amazing family split off, it's unbelievable. Yeah. In India, it's unreal. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. But here's the other side of that too, and here's why the rumors are kind of interesting to me because here we talk about reducing church time, Sunday, Sabbath day worship, and all that kind of stuff. And yet, and most people aren't aware of this, but 
the way that they gauge whether a temple should go in the area is based on church attendance. Yeah, that's right. That's one of the main considerations is are people going to church on Sunday? And if there's a really good attendance, great. It's not just numbers on the rolls. It's whether or not people are yeah, actually, actually going. Attending, yeah. And so the idea of, oh, we're going to shrink this, but we're going to put temples in seems like it's very, that's a major shift in how they determine where yeah. temples go. And not that that's not possible, it just makes it a little less likely in my mind yeah, that true. both will happen. In fact, I don't know if, if we've always been kind of taught that going to church and having the sacrament weekly is, is obviously the most important ordinance in the temple, even though we're supposed to go as often as you can. You know, it, I mean, I live up on Suncrest and I can see three temples at one time. Yeah. I grew up in Tennessee. That they even have two temples in Tennessee now, Memphis and, well, they say Memphis and Nashville. Let's be honest, it's Tullahoma and yeah, it's not, Boonies not and really. Memphis. Yeah. yeah. It's close enough. I see what they give that name, but. That we even have two temples there, yeah. And I wonder if the if it really is where they're trying to keep it, where you're a hundred. I think it was 150 miles away from 100 miles away from a temple. They want to because when I was younger, we would to Washington D.C. temple to do baptisms right. before Atlanta was built, and they built Atlanta because Florida's attendance to D.C. was higher than anyone else. Wow. So the sacrifice to go somewhere further. Let's be honest: the more you sacrifice, the more you love and care about something. So you know, maybe. I, I was thinking to myself, all these people, these rumors, I thought, man, what if they come out and say it's four hours church? Yeah, we'll see who sticks around. Yeah. For four hours? Got to separate the wheat from the chaff, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of fourth hour, I want to put a plug in for your Linger Longer Live that you're doing with Sean Repair, <laughs> oh, which yeah. is technically the, uh, well, I guess it's the unofficial fourth hour of church um, <laughs> that, that people have had after some fast Sundays, right? Um, where it's just the spending time hanging around talking about Stuff. So, yeah. Tell us a little bit about Linger Longer um, Live on Facebook. Okay, so it was a, it's an idea Stephen Jones had. So it's it's uh, Sean Pierce, Stephen Jones, me, and Ken. And uh, Steve kind of had this idea, and he talked to Sean about it. And Sean talked to me about it, and talked to Ken about it. So the first one we did was going to be me, Stephen, and Sean, and then uh, and Ken was going to be a special guest. We're going to bring a different guest in. But I love the dynamic of us four, and we kind of talked about it. I thought, nah, you bring in new people all the time, and it becomes like this person's show. We wanted to be just something fun that we all talk about a different topic. Yeah. And, you know, obviously I made a living for a while talking about the social side of the church with Singles Ward, the RM, the home teachers, and sure. all those. Um, but we don't go into anything doctrinal. We just, you know, ward potlucks and dances. Dances. Oh, my yeah. gosh. It's a blast because when people comment and write in, some of the stuff they say just makes me laugh. I'm like, gosh, it's so weird how. It's, it's fun. Yeah, it is so much fun. Well, all four of you are comedians yeah. in different ways. Um, but you're you're all trying to get together in a way to have, not make fun of the church, but have fun with oh, our yeah, culture yeah. and the things that we, we kind of all go through. And it's live. So people yeah. can comment and all this stuff. It's every Thursday at 7 p.m., I believe. Yeah, it's every time. 7 p.m., that's right. And so uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes for this episode. But uh, what other projects do you have going on? Well, there's a, actually there's a podcast a couple of friends and I are working on as well where uh, it's a podcast talking talking to people uh, about coming back to the church, why they oh, came okay. back, how they came back, from what instance did they come back in where I've noticed like when I rejoined the church, so many people were shocked. They're like, wow, did you have to regain a testimony? No, my, my testimony has nothing to do with lifestyle choices. And I realized I was one of the very few people that I've ever met and know in this world who separated doctrine from life. Yeah. Um, Joe Smith was always a prophet. I just wanted to drink more. Or the church was still amazing and the Book of Mormon is still true. I just chose to do drugs or whatever. 
But most people, I think, for justification or rationalization, I think they have to, like, distance themselves. I distanced by not going on Sunday, but, I mean, don't get me wrong, I wasn't trying to talk about Joseph Smith while we're getting high, that kind of thing. But I knew the whole time, and I knew the second I got on my knees and prayed, it would it would hit me, and I waited and waited. I waited too long. In fact, Sean and I had a unique moment together before, and, and he saw the end and just kind of saw me hit bottom. Yeah. And then he just kind of kept away for a little bit, on, and he should have. It was a good thing to be left alone because you, you, you have to find yourself with your Heavenly Father again, and your life changes, your friendships change, your lifestyle, everything changes, and all you're doing is refocusing yourself again. But what I realize is how much Heavenly Father loves all of his children 24-7, and I want people to know that no matter how far they've gone or what they think they've ever done, there's literally no escape from Heavenly Father's love and his son's love for you. It's, yeah. You can't hide from them. You can't skip away from them. They're just, and if they can, if they'll catch that love and understand that, uh, it's amazing what love can do for a person. It can, it can change their entire yeah. atmosphere. So, What's the I, name of the podcast? Or do you have a name yet? No, we don't have a name yet. We've, we've come across a couple of different names. In, uh, prodigal podcast? In pro- the prodigal <laughs> sons and daughters? No. <laughs> if, if we make it, I, I don't want to be too edgy sounding because we also don't. This isn't a uh, this isn't a rated G show, but it's also not a rated R show either. Yeah. But I want people to where you know, the church can only go so far in a forum. They can't. They should not. They have to take on a legal obligation everything they say anyway. So, uh, But I want people to tell their story as is because anyone who's ever gone through any type of addiction, especially drugs or alcohol or whatever, I didn't, mine wasn't pornography, but people have that as well, sexual addiction, those kind of things. Sometimes when you hear from a person who you know has no experience, you're like, right, that's not really how it is. But then you hear from a person who has gone through something, they can quickly relate and then they'll listen, but that's it kind of ends there, and the Holy Ghost can take from that point. Yeah. Sometimes just to get a person to cue in and to know that someone else has walked that same path, because that path, you, you think you're alone, but you realize you're amongst millions who walk that path. And members of the church, have we need to less, less the gap between sin. and Because Liberty Jail was like a big turning point for me with Joseph Smith, where the Lord comes and the, my best friend who rebaptized me, we're on a mission together, Nate Keller, he, he said, the, the Lord comes to Joseph Smith and says, all these things will be for your good. Yeah. And does not get them right out. They were there longer after the Lord leaves him. And that's when I realized, oh my gosh, what's good and bad for man has nothing to do with what's good. Everything is good for their Heavenly Father. You going through hell may be the greatest thing that will ever happen to you. And it is. Um, and, you know, you, being able to love and support each other during that and after is that's the greatest part. So I want to I want to help people figure out a way to they know that they can listen to someone else and that there is a way back. And really, it's just to turn just to That's get awesome. down a little bit. So we'll see. But I've, a lot of people are afraid because I want to video it. Okay. I, I don't want to be just a, a, a voice because I want people to see other, other people and and watch their facial expressions and their yeah. interactions, whatever. And and then also some of them, yeah, they're like, I might use a little bit of fan. I was like, no, you can't. You, you got to keep it clean, man. But you can tell your story. Yeah. Like those high school guys would come in, I was on the streets doing drugs, and I saw someone shoot batter ass in their arm. You're like, what? Like your <laughs> your brain explodes. Like, what story is this? But but it also, it's to help other people who have not strayed that far to see how much love is needed to help someone come back. Yeah. So it's kind of a duel. No, that's great. So I don't have a name yet, but it's we're working on it. Hopefully in the next month we'll have it up. And, okay. Very cool. I love yeah. it. 
Well, thank you for coming on and oh, yeah. sharing some mission stories, talking general conference rumors. <laughs> <laughs> and I look forward to your, this is the best. your podcast coming out. And uh, yeah, let us know when it does and we'll we'll push it, get some people oh, listening. Oh, thank so. you. That's so nice of you. Right, and Nick, absolutely. you were a sound engineer on our last uh, Latter-day Lives, yeah, by the way. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was great. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> we would have not gone live at all. It happens. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for again for coming in, and uh, oh, yeah. we'll put a link to you. Have a link to a page or anything for your personal stuff? Is there a michaelb.com? Well, gosh, is it even up? There's the michaelb.com. The Michael, as if I'm. Well, we'll special, find a link and put it up. How yeah, we'll, I'll find a I'll find a real. You just put lds.org for now. And yeah. Then, uh, yeah. <laughs> Search Michael B yeah. on the site and see what comes up. I think that's what it is on my Instagram lds.org. <laughs> hey, that's all right. We'll keep the push going, baby. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Latter-day Saint Mission Cast. We hope that you take the time to uh, watch General Conference this weekend. Those of you that are listening to it, our regular listeners, we thank you so much. And uh, enjoy General Conference. Pray for the messages to touch your heart. Pray for those that are giving the messages. Please tune in each week for another episode of the Latter-day Saint Mission Cast. We're going to be starting to get into the holiday spirit here on Latter-day Saint Mission Cast as we are ramping up to the Light the World campaign that will be happening again this year during the holiday season. So stay tuned for some special episodes that will be Light the World themed. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Latter-day Saint Mission Cast. <laughs>